it ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fin side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Check out our merch store on thefinside.threadless.com. Seven games down, nine to go. The Dolphins drop the game here on Monday Night Football and really do drop it, believe it or not, because they were up 14 to nothing um, to go to 0-7 on the year. And at first, it looked like the Dolphins were not only going to win this game, but pull away with it. 20 minutes into the game, it's 14 to nothing Dolphins, and they've got the ball crossing the midfield stripe, and they just could not keep the momentum going, Paul. Yeah, no, it's Miami had this game well in hand. Looked like they were going to be able to not just pull away, but absolutely destroy the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then, basically, as a team, they kind of collectively just threw up in their own laps. There's always that kind of oh shit moment. And to me, it happened with a minute 22 left in the first half when the Dolphins were up 14 to 3. If Nick O'Leary catches that pass at the uh, Steelers' 48-yard line, instead of letting the ball bounce off his chest and into uh, into the lap of Mika Fitzpatrick, then the Dolphins could be looking at going up two-plus scores after halftime. But instead, he it's it's not to be. It bounces off. He picks the ball off. And the aftermath of that play was even worse because after Xavier Howard um, – blanketed Deontay Johnson down the field, and the offensive pass interference was called that was almost reversed, then it was third and 20 at midfield. And the Dolphins, for some reason, on defense, and I love Patrick Graham, and he's done a lot of great things here on on the defensive side of the ball, but then he clears out the middle of the field, sends the house on a third and 20, just a simple drop-off to rookie Deontay Johnson, and he goes pretty much untouched into the end zone. The Steelers... At that point, we're down 14 to 10 at halftime, get the ball back, and then they take advantage in the second half. But really the turning point in that game, Paul, was uh, that third and 20 play when uh, when Deontay Johnson caught the pass from Mason Rudolph and took it to the house. Yeah, the interception off Nick O'Leary's chest, I mean, there's no reason on God's green earth Ryan Fitzpatrick had to throw a fastball in that scenario. But it happened, and O'Leary still should have caught it, batted it down, anything but batted it up in the air. The, that play you're talking about was absolutely the first time it felt like a nail in the coffin for the Dolphins. And it was very odd to me because all you have to do is leave one player to spy the middle in that scenario, and you you probably stop that play. But instead, they brought everybody except for, for the, the deep secondary, and then they sent the secondary as if Pittsburgh was going to try a Hail Mary on the play and literally left so much field open. And at that point, you know, you've got f- five players downfield blocking for for one. And, and Nick Needham, poor guy, he, he got cleaned out on that play. That was the first nail in the coffin. The second nail in the coffin to me was really the Mark Walton fumble. It's Miami looked to be regaining control of the game. And then Mark Walton just kind of 
coughed the ball up 10 yards in front of him and, and really killed the drive there. And then the final nail in the coffin really was that TJ Watt strip sack. It was a thing of beauty, but you know what? Ryan Fitzpatrick needs to protect that ball a little bit better when he's getting sacked. I mean, or, or show some urgency trying to recover the fumble instead of kind of half-assed waving at it. Well, a couple of things there. The uh, yeah, Mark Walton had a – this was his time to shine, and he certainly didn't do it. It was a twenty-four to fourteen in that game when Mark Walton was uh, was stripped on that play, and th- then on the next one, Jesse Davis needs to get the hell out of the lineup or move into right guard because he was whipped on that play from Ryan Fitzpatrick. If if you watch a replay of that of, of that entire entire play, T.J. Watt in, in two seconds was in the backfield. He just knocked Jesse Davis completely out of the way, got in the backfield, strip sack. So, you know, I, I have a hard time blaming Ryan Fitzpatrick for this game. Uh, so, for me, overall, it, when you look at at the beginning, when he had two touchdowns and was somewhere around 12 for 18 for 150 yards, finishes the game uh, 19 for 32, 185, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and a fumble. Based on that stat line, I can't give him any higher than a C+. Yeah, I'm going to go with a C- minus here. I mean, he did do some great things early, but he failed to protect the football down the stretch. And for me, that that is an issue. I don't blame the game on him, but I also don't feel like he kept them in the game either. And, and for me at this point, it's not enough for me what I'm seeing out of Fitzpatrick, what I'm seeing in his stat line to justify keeping Rosen off the field, good, bad, or indifferent, and seeing what the hell you have in Rosen, sink or swim, see what you've got so you know what you're doing next year for, for certain. And at running back, I've been one of the biggest proponents of Mark Walton uh, ever, but it, it certainly did not work in this game. I mean, it, what? 15 carries for 43 yards between Mark Walton and Kalen Balage, and that strip sack, or excuse me, that fumble from Walton really put the nail in the coffin. And But before that, I mean, to me, when I looked at the offensive line, run blocking downhill a little bit more on the offensive line, he, he had some holes that I, I couldn't help but think throughout this game that Kenyon Drake could run through and could take it from not only a two-yard gain, but maybe a 20- or 30-yard gain. He's not on the team anymore, so I'm not going to go on my uh, J.H.I.A.-like tirade on Kenyon Drake. I, I, I wish the best for him, but overall, running back, this was not a good performance for them. I, I'm going to go with a D. I'm going to go with a D-minus for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, and, and really the dumbest thing I saw all night came from the running back position, and it's not even that Mark Walton fumble. Why, on God's green earth, and I am a fan of the Wildcat formation, but why, on God's green earth, I'll say again, would you run it with a player that basically just looks for the nearest opponent jersey, runs into them, and goes to the ground? That's That just makes no sense to me. I don't care if he ran it a lot in college. Kalen Balage is a guy that when he has the football in his hands, looks for somebody to tackle him. 
It's 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 and he runs into them. It's like having a tackling dummy out on the field. I don't care if he's built like Brandon Jacobs. He runs like you know my neighbor Mary Jacobs. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. And why would you run the wildcat yep. in that scenario with that? Yeah, I'm not sure why you'd put him on the field. Period. I'd like to see Patrick Laird and or Miles Gaskin. Uh, playing running back uh, more than him. I mean, he's. Just, I'd rather see Christian Wilkins. Yeah, yeah, you've always been a big proponent of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, anybody but him. And you, you said exactly the perfect thing there is that when he gets the handoff, Balaji, he only had three carries for seven yards today, but he looks for somebody to hit him. And it's not because he's a big physical runner. I mean, Daniel Thomas was a better running back right now than Cam Balazs. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you right there on, on the D minus grade. Uh, I'll, I'll, stick it, I'll, I'll stick with the D. Uh, receiver and tight end here, you know, Mike Isicki, Preston Williams, Devontae Parker had some upward momentum heading into this game. Uh, how, would you, how would you grade their performance? I actually didn't have a huge problem with the wide receiver group. I mean, granted, Nick O'Leary really needed to catch that ball or bat it down or anything but, you know, let it hit off his chest and go flying up in the air and never touch it with his hands. But I would have liked to have seen a little more out of Gasicki. But you look at the wide receiver group, there was was a Jakeem Grant sighting tonight. Albert Wilson may have only had one catch, but he punched it in the end zone. Uh, the Alan Hearns touchdown was absolutely a thing of toughness. Preston Williams had a drop late, but looked pretty looked like he was on pace to set a record early on in the game. And then Devontae Parker kind of took over where Preston Williams let off in the second half. So all in all, I, I didn't have a huge problem with the receiver group today, and I can go with a B for them. Yeah, I'm going to go with a C plus. Uh, you know, not anything. Terrible that stood out, and Preston Williams had a big drop uh, on on a, a pass when the Dolphins were down seventeen to fourteen. That could have ended up uh, giving them a first down. But other than that, yeah, I mean, Alan Hearns and Jakeem Grant got into action. Alan Alan Hearns had a, had a physical touchdown, and Jakeem Grant. It was nice to see him get two catches for thirty four yards. And yeah, early in the game, Preston Williams was eating Joe Hayden's lunch there on the outside. I hope we see more of that from him as we continue to go forward. And I was hoping that the Dolphins would structure their offense in a way where they would line up Preston Williams and Devontae Parker on the outside against Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson. That wasn't the case. They got into a situation where they were starting to just heave the ball down the field. So, yeah, I'm going to go with a C-plus for them. Along the offensive line, and I'll admit I have a little bit more work to do because we're doing this just 20, 30 minutes after the show here. The interior of the offensive line, I still continue to be impressed with Evan Bain. Um, I, I thought, except for a couple of plays, too, from what I saw, Shaq Calhoun did a good job, and, and Michael Dieter continues to, uh, to get better and better, too. But along the offensive tackle spot, Jamarcus Webb and Jesse Davis, ooh, man, it's, it's pretty ugly out there. I mean, Webb got knocked on his butt a couple of times. It, it, it should be a meme for how badly Jamarcus Webb was killed by, by Bud Dupree on one play, but it was so much pressure from the outside, and throughout the game you can see Ryan Fitzpatrick having to step up in the pocket just to get away from everybody, 
And it's no wonder why Josh Rosen got killed the way that he was. But Jesse Davis needs to move inside to right guard. And, and he's a good swing guy. He's a good right guard. But he is not a right tackle. And he was embarrassed by T.J. Watt throughout the game here. So as the game continued to unfold, it, the offensive line got more and more and more worse, especially at the tackle spot. So I can't give him any higher than a D-plus here. I can go with a C minus. I mean, I know we've talked about this at length throughout this season, but this is not an offensive line that's talented enough to play from behind when the defense can pin their ears back. And with pass rushers like Bud Dupree, uh, TJ Watt, you know, it's they're not talented enough at the tackle position to play from behind in situations where you have to abandon the run and the defense doesn't have to think about it anymore. And unfortunately, you know, I I tweeted about this, and I I know this is not something that can be helped, but God, can we put anything on the back of Jamarcus Webb's jersey besides just his last name? Because it feels absolutely horrible as a very longtime Dolphins fan to see a player named Webb at left tackle suck so badly out there. I grew up watching Richmond Webb. And I just cannot watch another down of a player named Webb getting roasted over and over again. It, it would be worse tackle. if they if, if if they had an injury problem and and they changed his number to seventy eight. Oh, yeah, it'd be bad. Yeah, but also yeah. too, Paul. Here's the other part of it with the offensive line is that yeah, I, I agree with you on that. But if we're if we're grading them here, you know the I. I, I, I like the job that Evan Bame and Shaq Calhoun and Michael Dieter do throughout the game because I, I think they actually do a pretty decent job when they're playing, but Jamarcus Webb and Jesse Davis, they, they're, they're, just, they're just not playing well. That, that's that's, that's yeah. my big thing with the offensive line, you know. Yeah, but three-fifths did well. Yeah, the, <laughs> exactly. So because of that, if the Dolphins can move all of their resources into the center guard positions, I don't think they have a lot to to do at the center guard position. But they have to get those tackle positions right. But that's a subject for another day. Along the defensive front here, it, the biggest thing is that, you know, we were 20, 25 minutes into the game here, and the Dolphins were shutting out the Steelers. They were playing very, very well on defense and very well on offense, too. But that that big play where Deontay Johnson catches the pass on the all-out blitz and, and springs to the end zone and puts the Steelers up 14-10, to 10, that really made the difference in the game here. Because to me at that point, the front seven was completely shell-shocked. They were on their heels. They weren't stopping the run well. James Conner had 23 carries for 145 yards. And... It, they were they were getting pressure on Mason Rudolph consistently throughout the game, but after that play, it, it seemed like Taco Charlton, Vince Beagle, uh, Raekwon McMillan, they were dropping back a little bit more in coverage instead of going to the quarterback. I wish Patrick Graham in this game had had sent more more players to the or had, had diversified things a little bit more along that front seven to stop the run and to add some pressure. But I can't ignore that in the second half, the pass rush was non-existent and James Conner 
finished the game with 23 carries for 145 yards. I The big thing here is Chase Young out of Ohio State, a very big consideration if the Dolphins, you know, pick second or third in the NFL draft, if not first. So anyway, that, that's a long way of me saying that with the front seven, I'm going to give them a C. I'm going to give them a C plus, and I know James Conner rushed for a lot of yards, but a lot of that was gashing the the linebackers and secondary there. I I thought Christian Wilkins had probably his best game as a Dolphin, which may not be saying a lot, but at least he was present. John Jenkins turned in one of those games again where, you know, he he was definitely a pleasant surprise. Um, I mean, I I thought there were times where Jerome Baker finally looked like the linebacker we've been waiting for. And and Sam McGuavin had a sack to go along with Taco Charlton's sack. And and really, I love – just need to see those a little more often. And I thought Devin Gotcha had a good game. Um, I thought Vince Beagle was constantly in the face of Mason Rudolph. And then once they stopped, as you pointed out, bringing him, it, it stopped putting as much pressure on Mason, and, and Miami got lit up. And you look at Raekwon McMillan. I thought Rake had another good game today overall. And so really the front seven wasn't terrible in this one. It, it's It's more so the secondary – once we lost a couple of guys back there, then we'll get to that. Yeah, and Sam Aguavion, look, he's a good special teamer. He's a good piece type of player. But, man, oh, man, every time I watch him on the field, he gets absolutely destroyed. And it was very much the case here in this game. And uh, Trent Harris also, I'm not quite sure what he's doing on the field. So they need that third linebacker, especially in this type of defense. Um, yeah, and John Jenkins, I'm glad you brought him up because, I mean, in the first uh, two or three drives of the game, he was absolutely dominant pushing uh, pushing the pocket forward. I mean, it, in one drive, he uh, batted down a pass from Mason Rudolph, and then a couple of plays later, he drew a big holding call on uh, Marquise Pouncey, the Pro Bowl center. So, yeah, it's He's somebody to continue to watch out for. You know, I think the biggest thing is that the Dolphins got shell-shocked on that front seven when they were adding pressure to the quarterback. And then finally at the time that Patrick Graham started to realize he needed to uh, diversify the front line, it was too far gone at that point. So defensive back, we'll, we'll move on to that position, and I'm going to throw it to you. Oh, sure. Stick me with this one first. Mm-hmm. This was so all over the map. Um, you could definitely see the difference when Xavier Howard went out. You could definitely see the difference when Ken Webster got hurt. Um, you know, there there was a lot of up and down. And God, I wish. Oh God, was it Parker with his toe on the line there on that? What should have been the second intercept? Oh, it was it was Ryan Lewis on that, and yeah. then he Lewis. was a douchebag, and then ran all the way ninety yards to the other side of the field. And almost drew a pa- in uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for taunting Steelers fans, and then it was yeah. called back. So, and then he was picked on the rest of the game. So, we'll he, he had a few. Uh, he had a few good plays, but overall got got destroyed at times too. Um, you know, you, yeah, you yeah, look at Eric Rowe was okayish at safety. 
I didn't have a problem with Bobby McCain. Um, you know, it, it's really once they got to their second, third, fourth corners that it really, they left a lot of passing lanes open. They left a lot of routes open and uncovered. And that's where we saw the pass rush diminish because Mason Rudolph didn't need time in the pocket. He was able to just pick them apart because there were uncovered receivers at times. I mean, yeah. one of the touchdowns by Juju Smith-Schuster, he just made an unbelievable play. I'm not faulting anyone on the Dolphins for that. He just, you know, he, he, he beat Chris Lammons and took the ball away. And made, he made a great play with his ball skills, which he's known for. But overall, for me, unfortunately, after X went out, after Webster went out, it really dropped us down to a D plus. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna elevate that a little bit up to a to a C on that. Um, you know, Xavier Howard had not only an interception, but he should have had two or three. But also, too, he gave up the play of the game because it was even there was it was a moronish play call for Patrick Graham to send those players to Mason Rudolph on a, on a third and twenty. Xavier Howard has to have the responsibility back there to to go down and tackle that player and if otherwise uh, he has to communicate to Nick Needham next to him to get that guy um what i respect out of the defensive back group is that number one uh on the juju touchdown chris lamb and should have had an interception he was manned up 30 yards downfield and i think this guy can play uh also too ryan lewis even though they were picking on him a lot one thing that the morons on Monday Night Football were not mentioning is that the big one of the biggest plays of the game, the one that put the Steelers up twenty four to fourteen, is was a thirty yard pass interference call on Ryan Lewis that one hundred percent should not have been a pass interference call. And so I I like the effort here from the defensive backs. Mason Rudolph threw for two hundred and fifty plus yards, but you know, Earlier in the game, he was absolutely rattled. I wish the Dolphins could have continued to keep the heat on him throughout the game. But once that pass went to to uh, Deontay Thompson, or, or excuse me, Deontay Johnson, to make it fourteen to thirteen, nothing else, or excuse me, fourteen to ten, nothing else was the same in that game. So overall, I'm going to give him a C, and I'm hoping that Xavier Howard and Ken Webster can come back more so. Ken Webster, not because I think he's better than Xavier Howard, but I, I want to see a player like that with those that physical skill set that can line up on the outside. Because if, if he were lost, it would make a lot it would make things a lot more difficult for a team like this that's 0 seven. So anyway, Paul, uh special teams will uh we'll finish it out here and go to the player and the Coke bus player of the game. So special teams, Matt Hawk had a really good game. Jason Sanders nailed the field goals that he had, and I'm still kind of wondering too, why is Preston Williams still returning punts and Jakeem Grant's not? Uh, I'm a little curious on that one myself, um, you know. But again, it's and actually, wait, no, um, he nailed the extra points. We we didn't have any field oh, yeah. goals in that one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is wishful thinking. This is why this, this uh, is why we don't do shows right after the game. But uh no, the Matt Hawk thing, it's kind of funny to me because when they were up fourteen nothing and they went to punt, 
And it was a scenario where he absolutely should have and did pin the Steelers deep in their own territory. I was watching that game and I or watching that moment and I just went, Oh crap. This is usually that moment where Matt Hawk comes out and just utterly single handedly destroys a game with a shank punt that goes like four yards off his foot to the right and out of bounds. Uh, and to his credit, he didn't do it. Uh, so no, great game for Matt Hawk. I'm curious about Preston Williams as well. I mean, you know, there's only so far that Jakeem Grant goes in the doghouse. I mean, as much as he will bonehead it up once in a while, he's also the only one that's a threat to take that ball to the house. And when you're down like they are and you need a spark, you're going to get a lot more spark out of Jakeem Grant returning punts potentially than you are from, from Preston Williams. That That's just basically saying, like, all right, we want to make sure we send the offense back out who's been turning the ball over at this point. Right. And it, also, too, Jakeem Grant on kick returns, he was feeling it. I mean, he returned it back to the 30 several times. So I'm surprised that in a game like this that, that he wasn't returning the ball on punts. The, the coverage team, uh, credit to Danny Crossman, special teams coach, I, I think they've done a really good job on, on that coverage here. So I hope that continues. So overall, I mean, it, when I look at the returns, I mean, tech. Usually our biggest grade uh, over the last uh, 10 or 15 games for the Dolphins, I'm going to give them a B plus. Yeah, I'll go with a B for them. I think the special teams was not a And that's all you can ask for out of special teams sometimes. Yep, that's it. And uh, so the player of the game and the uh, Coke bus player of the game for you. I want you to take this one first this week. Let's do something different here. Yeah, so... The player of the game for me is going to be Vince Beagle uh, because in the first half, I thought when he was given the task to get to the quarterback, he was not only doing it, but doing it at a very, very high level. And he understands the angles of getting to the quarterback. And it reminds me of those uh, Patriots linebackers like uh, like Kyle Van Noy who can uh, just – tee off and, and get to the quarterback and stay in, in their lanes when when they're in that same defensive scheme. So he, he's going to be my player of the game. And then my Coke Plus player of the game is Mark Walton. I mean, this was his game to shine. He, he was on Monday Night Football. I felt like he had the holes to run through. Yeah, they weren't gaping holes, but, you know, there were two or three holes that, that he could have run through that I still feel like Kenyon Drake could have busted for 15 or 20 yards, and that didn't happen. And then he had that terrible fumble, too. So those are my two players. Uh, who are yours? So for for my player of the game, I'll go there first. I mean, if Xavier Howard had played the whole game, you saw what he meant to that defense and how much they crumbled without him out there. Um, he probably would have been it if – if he'd held up the level of consistency, it probably would have been John Jenkins in this one based on how he started out the game. For me, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give it to Raekwon McMillan. It's when he was out there, he did a great job stuffing the run. He was getting in the backfield uh, on several pass plays. He didn't come away with a sack. He's not going to be huge on the stat line, but I thought he was a big part in keeping the Dolphins in it early and keeping them where they needed to be. 
for my Coke bus player of the game, you know, I, I know I swore this earlier in the episode, but the more I've thought about it as, as, you know, perspective loomed while we were recording this, I'm going to throw good old Fitzy right back on the Coke bus. Um, you know, it, it's, there were a lot of times in this game and it's not because of the strip sack where he lost the ball. I know Jesse Davis got roasted, thought about him, but in reality, he wasn't taking care of the football. And on top of that, there were a lot of open receivers underneath and he just pulled up at times and said, let me do my best Rex Grossman impression and see how far I can throw the goddamn ball. And in a game that Miami was managing well early and really kept getting back into position to pull back into and get ahead, I totally get taking chances, but he was literally just hucking the ball down the field, not just on Minka's second interception, but you look at several of the plays where he just overthrew receivers deep where he just pulled back and uncorked it and hoped somebody could get to it. And that's not what Miami needs. That's not, I mean, you're, you're not talking about a sexy stat line where you're out there having fun, just throwing it around playing street ball. Uh, he was blatantly missing things at that point in time. Once they got past a certain point, he just started hucking it. And, you know, you, you look at that Nick O'Leary one where he threw a 95 mile an hour fastball into his chest as he was turning around. I mean, just there's so many moments in this game where a journeyman game manager like Ryan Fitzpatrick should have been able to put himself in check and didn't. And that was a big contributing factor in this loss. Yeah, I, I was considering uh, having Fitzpatrick as my player of the game um, for, for for a lot of other reasons here is. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I watched a guy who dropped back on every play and was running for his life to dip through the pocket and, and get away from the pressure that Jamarcus Webb and Jesse Davis were creating. And so yeah, he, he had some he had some throws, but the the ones that I, I think you can slap his hand on are Couple, for example, one of them throwing down the field and, and getting intercepted by Mika Fitzpatrick, it was at the three-yard line. And, and the other one, yeah, yeah he, he did throw a 95-mile-an-hour fastball to Nick O'Leary, and he shares some responsibility in that. You're absolutely right. I, I wish uh, O'Leary and his, uh, you know, in his stubby little hands could have at least not, like you said, uh, <laughs> could have batted it back down or, or something. <laughs> but uh, he, he was turned around, and he, he, he should have – Caught something on that. I, I think a six foot five, two hundred and fifty pound Durham Smythe with bigger hands could have done something better. So I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a big Fitzpatrick fan, and I wish Rosen would still be in a quarterback, but um, I, I don't know. So I, I'm going to stick with my C, my C, uh, C or C plus grade on him. But that's going to do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins Steelers matchup here on Monday Night Football. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and you can check out our merch store on thefinside.threadless.com. You can check out me on Brian Cat NFL and Paul at Fanatic underscore pick. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it's on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. 
Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat.